Hi there. Welcome to Souls and Hearts with the Word. And I am Dr. Jerry Crete. I am Dr. Peter Malinowski. And we're here to uh, reflect on the Sunday readings. And we're at the third Sunday in Advent coming up. And before we do that, uh, we are going to read the readings to you just so that you're oriented and you know what we're about to reflect and talk about. But uh, as we do it, we'll be reflecting on the um, readings in light of our psychological understanding and the things that we want to share with you that might give you some practical aid in your life and help you uh, prepare for Mass as well. So the first reading is uh, from Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will exult. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble, make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag. Then the tongue of the mute will sing. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing. Crowned with everlasting joy, they will meet with joy and gladness, sorrow and mourning will flee. So the second reading is from the letter from St. James. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You too must be patient. Make your hearts firm, because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brothers and sisters, about one another, that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing before the gates. Take as an example of hardship and patience, brothers and sisters, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And the gospel is from Matthew. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he.
right. So there we have our readings. Yeah. So what we like to do at the beginning is to just give you our kind of overall message or perhaps concept uh, that we each had, because we each kind of come at it differently. And mine was that we store trauma and wounds in our bodies. And that in Advent, we anticipate Christ bringing healing. What did you have, Peter? So what really struck me was it came across in both the, um, in the, uh, in the, in the first reading and the responsorial psalm and also in the gospel was this whole theme of blindness. And so thinking about physical blindness and psychological blindness, also physical deafness, psychological deafness, uh, physical lameness, psychological lameness. So those were things that were sort of rattling around as I was thinking about this. And how do we identify our, our blind spots? How do we come to know ourselves in, in ways that are much more deeper and richer in this, in this penitential season of Advent? And then what do we do about that? How do we go about that? And that's what I'd like to get into today as well. So. All right. Excellent. So, Excellent. So, yeah. How are you doing, Peter? Having a good week? I, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to be here with you, Jerry. I mean, I, people may begin to suspect by this third show that Jerry and I are friends, and I really enjoy spending time with Jerry. So it's great to be here. It's great to be with our audience, too, with all of you. Um, it's a blessing to be able to be here to serve you and to be with you. And we're excited that people are starting to, you know, kind of put, spread the word about us and kind of get us out there, get us known. So that's really neat. And we appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to hear what people take away from our reflections and whether they're able to actually, it helps them to understand the readings better when they do hear them on Sunday or just, and also of course, how they're being used in, in, in everyday life. But I love what you had to say, by the way, I thought uh, when we prepped a little bit for the show, which we do briefly, um, I, I was really excited about your angle this time, which was, I like this psychological blindness and deafness. So I'm really curious what comes to mind when you think of being psychologically blind. Let's blind. Say. Well, maybe, maybe you out there have had the experience of somebody yelling, I'm not angry. I don't know why you think I'm angry. I'm not angry. You know, where, and you actually have a sense that that person is sincere. They actually believe that they're not angry, even though if you look at tone of voice, facial expressions, you know, body language, the whole nine yards, it's pretty clear to other people that they're angry. And, mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of blindness uh, that people have about, about themselves. I specialize in psychological assessment. You know, I've done it for many years and it is stunning to hear how people describe themselves versus how, you know, a psychological assessment uh, would, would lay out their personality organization and structure and functioning. So this is an area of like really, that really has fascinated me for years. How much, how much we don't know about ourselves, how much mm -hmm. it goes on in the unconscious. So, um, so a lot of the work from a psychodynamic perspective, which is how I practice for a lot of years is, you know, making the unconscious conscious. So this whole idea of psychological blindness is like something that's really near and dear to my heart and something that affects all of us. So, um, so how do we do that? How do we gain more awareness of our own blindness then? Well, I'll, the first thing, the, the first thing is to realize we have blind spots. 
right? Most, that's everybody does. That's you. Yeah, that everybody does. Yeah, yeah, that everybody does. That I do. That you do. That everybody does. Right? Unless, um, unless you're Jesus or the Blessed Virgin Mary, you've got blind spots. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a part of the function of the fall, right? I mean, that blindness is one of the consequences of sin, right? Darkness, blindness, right? Mm. So, so, um, so, the first thing there is to be humble enough to actually look at what your blind spots might be, you know, and to, and to do that, you've got to, you've got this, this idea that, yeah, I've got them. I've got them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that's not always, that's not something that you can just do by yourself. A lot of people just want to do that by themselves. They actually, they want to do it at sort of their own little bubble and that's not going to be helpful. Right. Yeah. So we need to seek and enlist the help of others by definition. Right. So, I mean, I can get into how we do that. Is that what you want me to do now? Or do we want to hang with this a little bit more? Because I wanted to get back to what you were talking about with trauma, too. So I want to... You know, well, let's... I, yeah. We can get to that. I, okay. I'm just right. really curious. Because it sounds to me, though, like you would have to have a lot of humility to be willing and vulnerability, which we've talked to talked about in our previous show, um, in order to ask to see our blind spots. Because I wonder other people don't really want to know what their blind spot is. Oh, well, that's really human, right? Yeah. It's really human for us to not, to want, not want to know, to, to, hide from, to hide from ourselves, really, to hide yeah. from aspects of who we really are. So, yeah, and, and, and you know, we want to do this in a way that's, that's compassionate to ourselves as well. So, but if you ask somebody else, like in a humble way, like, hey, I suspect that there's things that I'm doing or that I'm saying that I'm not realizing. Can you be gentle with me, but also tell me like what I'm not seeing, you know, and this is particularly helpful if the person knows you well. Right. Um, And there are ways that you can kind of soften the impact. Like you could ask them to write it down and give it to you rather than to just, you know, confront you with it. You know, Um, you might ask them to reflect about it and pray about it. Um, so this could be a spouse. Um, this could be a friend. This could even be, you know, your confessor or your spiritual director. Um, you know, if you happen to have a confessor that you go to regularly or a spiritual director, because God's going to work through those people to tell you, hmm. right? Now, not me, that doesn't mean that everything that they say is going to be 100% accurate necessarily. So, you know, let's, let's say that, right? That, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that the person's going to nail it, but it's going to open a door. Mm-hmm. What's important here is the seeking, because if you seek, you'll find. So the mm-hmm. most important thing in overcoming psychological blindness is to seek. If you seek, you will find. If you don't seek, you won't find. That's the corollary. Right. So, um, so the most important thing is to seek. Um, and if you are asking that, that's like mind-blowing to a lot of people to get asked that and it's an honor to be asked that it's an honor to be invited into somebody's world in that way so kind of like what we were talking about before with vulnerability and the mutual empathy a lot of times that pulls for a gentle response if they can see that you really are um wanting to know you know Mm -hmm. um because i can think for example um i'm a little bit of an introvert despite doing this kind of work um and uh i can know especially when i was younger i think i think i've improved (laughs) but i could be so inward that people read me as aloof Mm -hmm. right and that like i don't maybe i don't care or or even maybe even being a bit negative 
mm-hmm. or sound like like I'm always, you know, if somebody says something, I always find like a way to be negative about it. And I don't mean it to be that way, but I was blind to it. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't really aware. Oh, is it, do I say like nine negative things for every one positive thing? <laughs> I never did that math. You know, I'm not, I'm not having to listen to me. Right. right. <laughs> so, and then once I kind of gained awareness of that and thought, Oh, maybe I need to be thinking about projecting some positivity. Cause in fact, I feel positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't realize how it was coming across. So I guess that's an example then. It's an example of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, people who can regularly solicit feedback from other people have huge advantages in being able to overcome whatever's going on interpersonally. Um, mm-hmm. And then also to, to take it to God. You know, a lot of times in our examinations of conscience, we tell God what our sins are and that we're sorry for it. Yeah. But again, you know, like I recommended last week, right? We ask God, you know, let's ask God too, where, where, how we're damaging relationships. Yeah. And actually listen for the response, right? Which could come in a variety of different ways. So So that leads me to think that psychological deafness is having an impairment in being able to really listen. Is that right? Would you say that? That's right. And it's, it's, it's not just an impairment though. Because I don't want to say it's always a psychological deficit or, or something. Sometimes it's, an, it's a question of the will. Sometimes it's just asking, right? Like if you, know, if you forget to ask, if you could ask and you just forget to ask, or, um, or you just decide you're not gonna, or you, know, you don't make it a priority or whatever, well, then the will's involved. It's really not a deficit. You know? It's just uh, an unwillingness. You know? um, mm-hmm. And that's different. You know? Okay. okay. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. And then lameness, it's interesting. There is, there is, Freud actually worked with folks that had psychogenic paralysis. And I worked with, I've worked with cases of that too, where people were like psychologically paralyzed. They, they were paralyzed, but it was a psychological cause. Right. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, okay. you know, that. <laughs> conversion <laughs> disorder. Conversion disorders, things like that. I'm talking about like how our um, psychological factors like weigh us down and inhibit us from being able to, to, to exercise our agency or our, our mm-hmm. autonomy. Right. So, so that was sort of what I was thinking about with psychological lameness. You know? Is that like maybe depression where you just don't feel motivated? You can't get, you have tasks to do and you just can't get yourself. Yep. Yep. That would be, them. that would be, that would be part of it because sometimes, yeah, that can be so strong that it's just a huge burden. I also think that, um, and these all things kind of go together. Like if you, um, if you don't have the um, capacity to empathetically attune to somebody else, like we were talking about last week, right. then that's a, that, then you're like lame. Like in a, you're like, you've got like a, it's just like a, that restricts your agency. Like you might want to reach out to somebody, but you can't because mm. you don't have that capacity developed yet. Right. A lot of times we think in our culture that we can overcome everything by the sheer force of will in the moment, you know, and a lot of times, you know, we've got to prepare for that. That's, that's what we were talking about with um, the arc, you know, Noah prepared. You just, there was no instant arc. He had to prepare for that. And so that's part of this reason that we're doing this, these, these shows is that it's a, an ongoing human formation thing to, to have us have better readiness you know, which mm. is a big theme of, of Advent as well. So wow, all these things come together, you know, so. I like it. I yeah. like it. 
Well, maybe we should talk a little bit about the trauma piece. That I'd was... like to get to that, definitely. So <laughs> we may us... circle back to a few of the other right. things, too. But you were but... saying you were starting with the, the body, right? Yes. So, okay. So, my, um, okay, my approach when I talk to people about um, working through anxiety, working through traumatic things that happen that are coming into their life again for some reason – um, is this thing I call an order of my order of operations <laughs> and uh, not that I'm a math guy at all, but the order of operations is, in this case is first you attend to the body. Then you attend to um, emotional needs. Then you attend to, then you can address or discover, discover whatever reveal cognitions. So um, in this particular case with this reading, I was really struck um, but in Isaiah that he said, you know, uh, the blind will see the deaf will hear all those things. The lame will leap. It was a, to me, such a body oriented passage. You know, I loved it. The lame will leap. I thought that was right, just beautiful. Right, like a stag, right. like a stag. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought that was, that was incredible. The dumb will sing. I just thought, wow, it's all about empowering people that are unempowered in some way or have lost the fa their faculties in some way. And so um, I was kind of thinking that the, um, the body has to be addressed first. And the only time he mentions something that's more emotional is he said, the frightened hearts become strong, have no fear. And I thought that was cool as well. And so, but my thought is if, if I have afraid, like if I had a, anxiety right now, but nothing's happening to me right now, like um, other than I'm, trying to film the show but if i was suddenly thinking about um well what will happen next week if blah 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 happens right? right well i'm immediately then the first thing i have to do is stop and think is where am i feeling this anxiety in my body right now right and if it's a lot of shame or a lot of anxiety often people will say it's in their chest so you, you get that a lot. People will notice, whoa, my yep. chest is heavy or my heartbeat, maybe their heart rate is, 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 is faster. So a lot of people hold tension like in their shoulders. That's, I definitely do that. I have to relax my shoulders, relax. Um, different people, sometimes their jaw, their head, they'll feel it in their body. And so the first thing that I ask people to do is to take a deep breath and notice where the anxiety or fears or whatever is in the body and just gain, bring awareness to that part of the body. Don't do anything necessarily to it. Just notice it. Cause they could, because be, unaware, they could be totally unaware of that. Most people are, right. it sounds so basic, right. but most people are completely unaware of their own body reactions. And I think that's why it was cool. Like in Isaiah and then Jesus follows it up is is more body oriented than anything else in these passages right. and then it's when the body and then if you're able to say listen hey nothing is threatening my body right now i am i'm safe in this particular moment you know uh and and so giving your body some permission to just take another deep breath and just allow it to relax and once you feel your body just relaxing a little bit then you might have the capacity to notice the emotion. And if the emotion is fear, then you might have the capacity to say some, a gentle voice to yourself 
you know, or ask God for God's gentle voice if, if you need it, just to say, you're going to be okay. It's, it's going to work out. You're okay now. You're safe now. And we're going to get, it'll all be okay or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And then you could almost feel then a level of emotion, you know, your emotion just sort of calming a little bit and realizing, Hey, I'm, I'm okay right now. You know, obviously if you're being attacked by a mugger, you can't do this. It wouldn't be real. But in the moment, if in this moment, I, it is real. And then your thoughts are different. Right. But right. if we're, we come to our thoughts first, like, why am I thinking that? Why am I feeling right. that? What's going on right. with me? And, and all of a sudden you're thinking, thinking, and you're trying to think solve it. You, you need to go back to my order of operations. <laughs> um, and uh, Well, and that all sounds like, like it's looping right back to awareness um, and being like blind, right? To the, to the body or being blind to your emotions in some ways, not, not being able to see them right? Or to see what's really going on. So, that, I mean, it's basically another way of saying a similar thing, right? So I like yeah. that. And I use, yeah. I use that too, because we're both, we're both trained in trauma uh, and as trauma therapists. So right. the breath is like a huge thing. It really helps because it's, it's a window into that autonomic nervous system. That's the one you know, way that we can actually calm that down probably the fastest. So, yeah. I mean, I know the two, my go-to spiritually for anxiety, if, if I'm having any trouble just getting my body relaxed, is either the Jesus prayer or the rosary. And when I say the, the Jesus prayer is the most handy one for me, it's the simplest one, and we could do a whole show on it but, mm -hmm. and on the rosary. But, uh, you know, it's just Lord Jesus Christ, and you breathe it in. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner, and breathe it out. Wow. And just doing that repetitively. I just feel my whole body. And because now I've associate those words and what they mean right, to me right. with I'm okay and I'm relaxed, it automatically hits my body and goes right to my emotions, my emotional center. Wow. The so rosary I've, I've, does that for me too. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I have something similar, but mine's even shorter. I just say the names of Jesus and Mary just really oh. slowly as oh. I breathe. Just nice. the names. Right. And, um, and to me, that's, that really helps. So I, so I, I have a little routine where I breathe, say the holy names, and then I just tell Jesus and Mary what I'm struggling with. Right. And, you know, but a lot of times I don't actually get to that third step, you know, I just stay with the first two and that just helps me to come, you know, right down, especially helpful, like in bed, like if I'm thinking about something or worried about something, you know, it kind of helps me. So yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We well, you know what was cool too about these readings is it was about John the Baptist, who is <laughs> our, our, patron. our patron. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we pray every every time we meet, and uh, we do. We're doing ongoing novena to Saint John the Baptist for our for our ministry and the work we're doing. Uh, and I just thought it was really cool that the other thing that it mentions in this passage is like in Matthew, like he was in prison. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just love the way these people like John the Baptist and St. Paul do all this work in prison. <laughs> like, like these, like, I, and I, I imagine like their prisons are way worse than <laughs> the ones we would go to if we were in prison, like here, like, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, it just, in, in terms of at least the physical environments right, right. in what they're being fed and, and that, right. and yet it somehow doesn't deter them 
from doing this work, you know, and, and actually getting a question out to Jesus um, because being in their environment, somehow they transcend it. That's how good they are at being attending to their own bodies, their right. own hearts, their own spirits, that it's a little bit irrelevant to them. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I was really struck. Some commentators have believed that John the Baptist was uncertain, like he was having struggling with some doubts about whether Jesus was actually the Messiah. And I'm not so sure about that. I think that, you know, when he sends out his disciples to talk to Jesus and to ask him these questions, he's doing it for them, Mm. not for them to bring an answer back to him, but he realizes that this is the transition, right? From the, 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 the preparation to Christ himself, right? So he is having his disciples who were hanging out at the prison with him to go see our Lord, Hmm. to experience him, you know, and to come into contact with him. And what does our Lord say? Well, he cites, uh, he cites Isaiah 35, which is the first reading, right? And he's saying, these are the proofs. He's telling them how to see. He's giving them the rules of discernment. He's right. telling them about the fruits of the ministry because even though he's very early in his ministry, he's done all those things. Yeah. You know, he's actually healed the blind and the deaf and, and has actually raised uh, the dead and so forth. So, so he is saying, you know, go out and St. John the Baptist is saying to his disciples, go out and experience that. And I think the transformation, um, the transformation that happens in our awareness and in our capacity to listen, and in our capacity to, uh, to function, you know, overcoming lameness, deafness, blindness, right. is so radical, even on a psychological level. Like, I, I'm a psychologist, right? So I'm interested in the psychology of it, that it, it, is, it is that that actually um, convicts us. Like, mm. there's this real experiential change when we come into contact with Christ mm. that resounds not just on the spiritual level, but also on the natural level. Right? Yeah. So there's a healing that happens in the natural level as well. So I love the way the readings are connected because they were talking last week about the fruit. Right. Right. And then right. this is the fruit. And then he's telling us what the fruit looks what like. People are. being healed, people right. being transformed, people getting better. That's why I, I love the work we do. I love hopefully what souls and hearts can do because it is about transforming and healing people, at least on the natural level, at least in, from a mental health perspective. Right. So that's exciting. Now, the other thing I was hoping to just bring up quickly was um, the brilliant, beautifully poetic line Jesus gives at the end, you know, about, uh, you know, no one is great, no one born of woman. I go immediately to Macbeth right. when I think that, but anyway, no one born <laughs> of woman is greater than John the Baptist, right? right? And then, you know, unless they're untimely torn, right? No, no. But, <laughs> But the least, sorry, but the least. Focus, Sherry, focus. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The least is greater than he. Right. Which is right. fantastic, right? Yes. I think because yes. it's about humility and what real humility is. And, and to me, people think humility means making yourself a doormat or right, something. Right, right. But it's about your real dignity. Right. Not that you're puffed up and not that you're less than, but you actually, your real dignity and, and that we all have share that same dignity in Christ, just like John the Baptist, as awesome as he was. 
And I just think that's brilliant. Well, and it's, and it's showing the transition because John the Baptist was the last of the prophets, right? So we're making this transition from Old Testament to New Testament, right? And the New Testament is just so, or the new era, right? It's just so much richer right now because we have our Redeemer, right? Yeah. So, so there's that element of it too. So, yeah, I mean, again, St. John the Baptist is our patron. We love him. You know, really, <laughs> He makes the way for the Lord, which is right? hopefully we can do a yeah, little bit what, of. That's, well, we're a lot of. I mean, I'm into a lot big transformations, you know, with what we do, you know. So, um, so I wanted to throw something out there uh, as a secondary thing. We got time uh-huh. for that? We're wrap. We're going to need to wrap up soon. So what, all right. or get to our so action what about? All right. So, if, if there's not enough time to do this, maybe we'll do it some other time. But St. Paul tells us to don't complain. Right. Don't complain. And so I was just curious, uh, you know, about like people coming to my office sometimes and they say, well, I don't want to say anything bad about anybody. I don't want to complain. I, you know, and sometimes they even bring up, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Um, I mean, you want to address that right now or should we uh, leave that for a future? That feels like a big topic okay. for one small passage. Cause he says, make your hearts firm. Mm-hmm. Don't complain. I'd like to unpack that, but it might be too much. Cause it a little bit depends. Like to me, when I think of my clients coming in and we're doing therapy, I don't see them as complaining, right? I see them as working right? It means they're being real and honest about what's going on in their lives and how people are affecting them. And that's, I think what I, people, and that's, that's what I wanted to get to. It was basically okay. that point. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. which is different though. Like my example earlier, when I was being, I felt anyway that I was being perceived as aloof sometimes, mm-hmm. or maybe a little bit negative. It might be that I wasn't realizing, here we get back to psychological blindness, right. perhaps that I was complaining mm-hmm. and being critical. Mm-hmm. just without thinking. Right. And um, once I gained some awareness of that, I tried to change it. Um, so, and in fact, what's the opposite then of complaining? It's having your hearts firm, apparently, which is interesting, which feels to me more like purposeful because mm-hmm. if your purpose is to heal people, you really don't have a lot of time to just complain about it. <laughs> right. And then, you know, you're distracted. Right. 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 As opposed to clients coming in or patients coming in, working on their stuff. Right. So, right. right. But I think we do need to, for time, yep. we need time to get to our action items for right. the week. So I, because my takeaway is all about the psychological blindness. The action item for the week is to ask someone close to you what your blind spots are, like what you're not seeing, what you're not hearing you know, and tolerate that little bit of that vulnerability and then really listen to the responses and be open to how God might be speaking to you through those, through those people, you know, through that person. Wow. That's great. That's great. And mine, my, my take uh, action item would be to remember my order of operations and for this week, at least focus on the body. And I'd like you to notice um, the emotions and not just the negative ones. I also want you to notice joy. The reading has a lot of joy in it. And um, joy, fear, sadness, um, shame, um, you know, loneliness, any emotions. And notice where, you're, where they exist in your body. 
So if you can journal that down, like just notice it, like taking like every day, stopping and going, okay, I feel really good today. Maybe like, maybe I'm happy. Where's joy in my body? Mm -hmm. Like I can sometimes feel joy, like welling up in my, my calves. It's weird. (laughs) You know, I like, it's like a tingle or something. Right. And, or, but when it's anxiety, it can feel like pressure on my chest or whatever. So make a note of where you, uh, so that you gain more body awareness of how your body works. Great. All right. Well, we please. About, yes. What We should talk about like, yeah, asking them subscribe. Yes. Know? Subscribe. Uh, please like, like our show. Pass yep. the word around. We've got a blog coming out later this week. Um, and there are all kinds of things that are going to be happening, um, you know, at soulsandhearts.com. So don't hesitate to check us out. And there's our course, How to Help Someone in Distress. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. We got that going on. All right. And we'll see you next week. Have a wonderful, blessed week. All right. So we're going to say our three lines. Uh, Yes. Be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. (laughs) Take care.